0: We've already been hearing some things that the Lord, by His Spirit, is wanting us to get today. Jesus was very strong and very clear when, in the book of the Revelation, He gave those letters to the seven churches and and He He ended them like this. To him who has ears to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There is an urgency in my heart this morning and it is an urgency to to speak these two words again this Sunday to every person listening who has ears to hear. And the two words are these words. I believe he's saying, trust me, trust me. It is a precise word. It means right where you are this morning, physically, but also emotionally, how you're feeling, mentally, what you're thinking about. It is a word with precision piercing right into the middle of where we literally and actually and presently are in our lives at this moment. Trust me. Trust me. There is nothing going on in your life that surprises him. There is nothing that he does not know every detail of. There is no conversation he has not heard. There are no words that have been written that he has not seen. There is absolutely nothing about what is going on in your life right now that he doesn't know. And into that great awareness of where we are, what we're in the middle of, what we're facing, he says, trust me. Trust me. So if you're a challenged follower of Jesus this morning, he says, trust me. If you're a troubled follower of Jesus, he says, trust me. If you're afraid, if you're overwhelmed, if you're being attacked, He says, trust me. If you have been abandoned, he says, trust me. If you feel immeasurably alone, he says, trust me. Trust is a word for the journey. Trust is a word for the wait. Trust is a word for the storm to pass by. Trust is a word that means to rely upon, to lean on, to count on to have confidence in, to trust. You trust someone whom you believe to be reliable, to be trustworthy, someone whom you would believe is loyal to you chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds of righteousness, which we have done, Paul would say, but he saved us just flat out of his mercy toward us. He knew what he was getting when he got you. He knew what he wasn't getting when he got me. But still, he had mercy on us. And he chose us, and he picked us out because he wanted us. Every one of us in Christ have been adopted into the family. No one is a natural-born Christian. You have to be reborn to become one of those. And that only happens because Jesus, in his love for us, went to the cross before you were ever born, before you ever sucked a breath, before your mother ever knew what your name was, before you ever had a street address. All those years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross with you on his heart, with your sins known and being punished by his death. Why? Because he loved you. Before you could give him anything back, before you could ever say, I love who Who loved who first? For God so loved the world. It started in heaven, it didn't start with you or me. And he says today, right in the middle of whatever is frustrating you, right in the middle of what has got you afraid, right in the middle of what has got you concerned, right in the middle of what Is beyond your ability fully to comprehend, but it works on you and it robs you of peace. He says to you, precisely in the middle of what you're going through today, today, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. me. Trust me. It could be one big thing. It could be several things. It could be an emergency that's happening right now. It could be some situation where there's no end in sight. It could be something that concerns you. It could be something that concerns people who affect you. It could be finances. It could be medical. It could be jobs. It could be family. It could be something from the past. It could be something happening right now. But into whatever that is, he's wanting us to know that he is a right here God. He is a right now. God, you're not going to be able to keep him away from you when you walk out the back doors of this church building as if you would turn around and see looking at you through the glass window slits in the doors, the pressed in face of Jesus with his nose mashed against the glass waving at you as you head off out into the rest of your life. He says, where you are, I am. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That means wherever you are, wherever you go, whoever you're with, whenever it is, he is where you are. And he steps into our lives Maybe afresh this morning because we need to hear it so desperately. And he says, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. In a marriage, trust me. In a difficult job, trust me with a physical body that may be failing or having some unexpected challenges. He steps into where you are this morning and he says to your spirit, trust me, I'm so hoping that I don't mess up this two-word message by adding so many other words to it that you miss to your heart what he's saying simply and personally and precisely and warmly and strongly into your heart. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Some folks say, and we, we, we get to... I don't have any right to trust God. I don't have any reason to expect that he would reciprocate with any kind of kindness because of the choices that I've made and as far away from him as I am. Over and over and over again in the scripture, Jesus would just keep telling those stories and he would just keep spending time with folks who were at the at the extreme limits of, of human decency and, 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 and moral rectitude. And, and he, he spent so much time just saying to them, don't, don't miss the heart of God for you. Don't, don't, don't miss. He, he didn't come for perfect people. Jesus would say, I came for sinners. He spent more time fussing with folks, or not fussing, with get, getting on to folks, Who thought they had God all figured out who thought that if they did everything exactly the way that they thought it would be right then that would guarantee favor with God and freedom from God and so forth and Jesus was saying you don't understand there's nobody righteous there's nobody righteous in the sight of God no not one all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but God in his mercy because he cares about people and he cares about you He made forgiveness available through his death on the cross. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I want you to turn one more time to Luke chapter 15. And I know some of you think Pastor Walker only has two books in his Bible one is the book of Romans and the other is the gospel of Luke here's some examples of the kinds of things that Jesus gives us permission to trust him with and this is not supposed to be an event he's calling us to a lifestyle it's a way of living that he wants us to be involved in, to just trust him, to trust him in the middle of the big things, to trust him in the middle of the little things, to trust him in the unending seasons of our lives, that there's no part of your life that he isn't interested in. Trust me. So in this mixed crowd were the Pharisees and the lawyers, the ones who were the religious experts on God, so they thought, and with them, there was this other crowd of these, these ones that, that were pushing all the fences, stretching all of the limits of moral decency. And they were, the, were called the, the tax gatherers and the sinners. To this mixed group, Jesus makes up these stories to as much as anything else. And the main focus, the main emphasis of the stories is to talk about, is to demonstrate how, how much God loves folks to come back to him. They may be far away, but he rejoices in the coming home. He doesn't, he, he doesn't look forward to spanking anybody or putting anybody in jail because they've been away. He, he delights in the return and the, the reconciliation. But as he tells these three stories, he he also has several other points that he makes that are not the main point of the parables, but they're there. Verse four, Luke 15. Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and going after the one which is lost until he finds it and when he's found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he comes home he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep which was lost i tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents who comes back returns to the lord than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The main point is the joy of the one, of the person who comes back to the Lord. But here's a minor point, but it's there and worth noting, and an insight into the kinds of things that Jesus would say, trust me in. Do you realize back in this day and time These fellows and these these families that had sheep and goats, they weren't raising pets. It, It wasn't like they needed a pet sheep or a pet goat, like you got a pet dog and a pet cat and a pet gerbil and a pet parakeet and whatever else you may have. This wasn't about a pet. This was about a man's livelihood. This was about a man's business. This is about the way that a man made a living to provide for himself and for his family. And Jesus understood that. Now, whether this particular sheep that went astray was a ewe or a ram, we don't know. But this much is true. Evidently, there was some value attached to that sheep that was tied to the money-making ability of this shepherd or he wouldn't have paid any attention and gone after the sheep. Some way or another, folks, I'm not stretching this too much, I don't think. You can call the seminary on me and ask, but is the pastor making this up? I don't think so. I think one of the examples that Jesus is giving as a part of this is, listen, I know about your commerce. I know about your business. I know about the kind of living that you, what you do to make a living. And the parts of that I'm interested in too. The parts of that which come together to make a living for your family matter to me. Now, I'm just saying, that's important for us to let in on the inside because we can think, this is church and this is the rest of my life over here. This is the God stuff that God's interested in. As long as I have my Bible open and I got my notes and I'm raising my hands in worship or whatever it is, that's where God's really interested. But over here, I'm just kind of on my own. No, you're not unless you choose to be. And the good news is, folks, listen, that the, the things that with, 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 with ones who are, the, who are the financial breadwinners in a home, The things that happen at work, the things that can threaten, the things that can be opportunities, the things that can be hassles matter to us. They affect us when we come home to eat supper with the family. They they affect us over the weekend when we've got a time to be away, but we can't be away because we're freaking out over this stuff. If that's your world, good news, Jesus would say to you, sir, ma'am, trust me, trust me. In other words, break the pieces out into manageable requests for prayer, if you will. Not assuming that there's one cotton picking part of your life. I don't know why I put it that way. <laughs> but that, that he's not interested in. There's nothing going on that he's not interested in. And he would say, Trust me. So, if somebody walked in, walks in today, hassled to the 400th power by work situations, and you're coming in here this morning and you're, and you're trying, to, trying to be in church and you're doing, trying to do the right thing to be here and got your Bible up, but your mind is fried. It's to you, I'm just telling you, that the Lord's saying, Trust me. Let me in there. Unlock that door to me. It doesn't mean that you'll be walking around with a 40-pound Bible and a 60-pound Jesus, you know, thing around your neck. You'll do what you do. You'll work like you work. But you'll have a sense that when things that you struggle with rise up in your mind, or you don't know what the choice needs to be here. You don't know what to do. To have an understanding that the Lord Jesus Christ is there with you, and He cares about it, and you can stop right there without closing your eyes, getting down on your knees, getting in a closet. You can just fire a prayer right there. Fire a prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, did you hear that? Did you see that? Lord, help me. I'm telling you. Instead of him healing your lips shut, you know, instead of him just, just throwing you out of the boat, he, I believe the Lord, takes that as an invitation to step in and make his presence known and handle some things for us that he doesn't intend for us to have to handle but he's wanting us to realize his relevancy. He's wanting us to realize his nearness as we invite him into those kinds of things. Trust me. I tell you, every businessman, every businesswoman will be a better businessman, better businesswoman, easy to get along with, more, more slack in your rope. If you understand that every time you start your day, every time you move into something, every part of your business life, the Lord is saying, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Okay? Business people. And there are a bunch of you in this room. And I don't believe the Lord is saying, "Well," and it just just runs me crazy, runs me crazy. I shouldn't be confessing that, I guess, but I'm going to say it anyway. Folks say, well, I could could be a much better Christian if I could just work at a church. If I wouldn't have to work out there in the world, (laughs) and I could just work at the church, I want to go, oh, good gracious, what ignorance that is. You you need to rejoice that you are where you are. You have no idea the kinds of things. No, 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 no. It, it, as, if, as if the Lord wants us to just pull ourselves away from real life and real people and, 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 and just kind of get just kind of be real still and just fold our hands and just kind of think scripture thoughts or something. Well, you'd starve to death and you ought to. He, he is about empowering us and placing us in the real world where we can make a real difference because he's really interested in how you're wired and where you're placed and who you know and what your dreams are and what your visions are. Trust me, not just in the parking lot of the church (laughs) or in the bathroom, the men's room in the church house. Trust me. I don't know how he'd say it, you know, but I just believe he's saying it, trust me. Don't leave me out of nothing. Grammar's bad, but emphasis I think you get. Don't leave me out of a thing. Trust me, trust me. All right, the next story he tells is about a woman who has been given 10 coins, 10 drachmas, silver coins. That drachma was worth one day's wages, symbolically. It could have been a part of her wedding dowry may have been given to her by her father or father and mother. We don't know. It, was, it could have very likely had something to do with her wedding. It could have been similar to a wedding band. Not sure. But Jesus tells a story. A woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I've found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's the main point, one person that comes back. But here's the minor point. Jesus was aware that it meant something. For a woman, a person, but we'll say in this case, a woman to lose something that was of value to her. This was not about commerce. This was not about business. This was about something that mattered to her. Nobody would necessarily have known that she had lost that coin. I mean, it it wasn't going to be front page of the Jerusalem Post. But she knew. And it mattered to her. Jesus made up the story. He's not reporting on a story that's already been told, a true story. This is something he made up because he understands the hearts of people. And he understands what it means to lose something that is valuable to you. The first story about business and commerce and, and sheep and cattle and agribusiness and all that comes kind of stuff. But, but this one is very personal and very tiny, very small, but it was huge to this woman. Jesus is saying, in effect, you can trust me when you lose one out of ten coins. Some of us thank God we can trust him for lost car keys. Hello? I mean, what did I do with them? Where did they go? Well, that's it. I just don't want to bother God with all the things he's got on his mind. He has a lot on his mind. Yes, he does. But he cares about you. Do you see the minutiae? Do you see the tininess of this? This is spoken by the one who stepped out into the darkness of nothing and said, let there be, and every constellation and every kind of heavenly light lit up because he spoke a word. All the way down to the molecular structure of everything, the atomic structure of things, the massive and the minute, he knows it all, but still he says to you, trust me, about the things that matter to you that you've lost, that you can't find, the little thing, the small thing in the global sense, but to you it's important. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Some of you all know I've been driving a Toyota Sequoia since Noah handed it to me. That's what he offloaded, the rhinoceroses and stuff off the ark, I'm quite sure. 200,000 miles on that thing. Had a lawnmower in it yesterday, in the back of it. But But the hatchback on that thing has broken on me multiple times. They, they, Jerry Pelton said, to the pastor, you, well, the part of that problem is where you, you drive it in places where it gets mud, it gets dirt. And, well, Toyota should have figured that out before they, <laughs> so anyway, this is about latch number five that was about to break. So, so I, now this, I know some of you, this is going to sound just real corny and oh great, oh great, the pastor's telling that kind of story. No, it was a big deal to me. I told Shirley, the latch is down, I can't, I can't get, can't open the thing, can't get that lawnmower out of the back of that uh, Sequoia. So I just, I just said, Lord, we have been here before. This has happened to me before, but, but I I would, I would appreciate it if you would help me get into the back end of that, of that 200,000 mile vehicle so I can get that smelly lawnmower out of the back end of that thing. Well, I banged on it a few times as I prayed and that didn't work at that point in time. So then I went and found a rubber hammer. You guys know what a rubber hammer is. And, and so I'm I'm giving it gonna give it one more shot. And I'm just Lord, now, will, you just, will you just help me here? I'm I'm just and I took that, I was gonna breathe in that prayer as I cocked my and I pull that thing and I whop that thing. I didn't dent it, but I hit I hit it smack, and I want you to know. Up came that lid up came that lid up up it came almost hit me in the nose it came but I want you to know I started going that house and grabbed Shirley by the hand go get the two dogs in the backyard and bring them out and just I just wanted to dance around the backyard and celebrate because the gate the 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 thing came up and I can get the mower out okay now I realized that for 99 I'm gonna just say hundred percent of you that means nothing (laughs) but to me but to me I was able to say about a hatchback coming up from a two hundred thousand toyota thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord no, 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 what is? It? I don't do all I don't do that all the time. All right, I don't remember to do that all the time, but I feel like it's a teaching thing the Lord's wanting to say to us. You, you out there trying to whack away and make, get stuff done on your own, and, and you're wearing yourself out. Why don't you let me into the minutia of your life, as well as the big things in your life? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you trust? me? Why don't you you let it in? I am God and you are not. And as God, I know all that there is to know. And I really do care about you. You say, well, what, what is the point of the back of the hatchback of a sequoia coming up? What does that have to do with eternity? Here's what it has to do with eternity. The next time something comes up that may be cross-current to what I would wish or you would wish. Something comes up that may be directly opposing what we would want or maybe even hurtful. The accumulation of these places in our lives that you and I know, can note, and can remember, the accumulation of those things building up in the past of our lives where God has come through in practical, measurable, observable, real-time ways. That helps you for the next one that you face right here. You are no longer a rookie. You're no longer a beginner you got a backlog of proven faithfulness of God almighty to you and it won't matter who says he doesn't exist and it won't matter who says oh that's no big deal you know him you know her i can count on him i can count on him i can count on him that last story is about the father and the son, the younger son, who left. Oh, my goodness. The two parts of that story that hit us the hardest, probably, one is the arrogance and the blindness of that younger son who said, give me what's mine. I'm out of here. I'm turning my back on family, faith, culture, everything. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to a completely different other place and he did and the father allowed him to do it knowing that the boy wouldn't come home until he had driven his life off a cliff and as long as the daddy would would be there to try to stop him and bring him back home and keep him back home and keep, keep trying to make peace with him, it would just stall the inevitable. The inevitable was the boy need to have his heart broken and his dreams dashed. He needed to see the dark side of the bright lights. And so the daddy let him go. Jesus created the characters. Jesus created the dialogue. Jesus created the plot. Jesus created the outcome as he told the story. So even... And the ones who were listening to this, they were identifying, many of them, with the boy. Even to those, the message was, trust me. Trust me. Trust the mercy of God for your life. Trust me. That's one part that gets us. The other part is that daddy daddy. Jesus unpacks the story as if it was something that happened over an extended period of time and that that when the boy left, the, the dad never got over the son. The dad never forgot about the son. The dad never gave up hope that the boy would come again. And the idea being that morning after morning and afternoon after afternoon, the daddy was looking down that dusty road that the son had walked down leaving in hopes that he would see that shape coming back down that same road one day. And he did. And he did. It's as if Jesus is saying, every single part of the hurt that comes about when you have been abandoned in a human sense, rejected in a human sense, when the one that you love deeper than life itself walks away, walks out, all of the parts that just can cause us to crash and burn. Jesus would be saying, trust me, trust me. Trust me. They may have left. The words may have been harsh. The circumstance, unbelievably hard. Trust me. Trust me. Folks, listen. There's some of you in this room this morning, and you've been in situations like that where you didn't see the end in sight. You didn't know how long it would take for things to come to some sort of conclusion, peaceful, reconciliation conclusion. But you know what you did during those days and nights of not knowing about the external conclusion? This was going off in your heart. Lord, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust you when days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months may turn into years and circumstances may seem to be going south on every hand, still you stood there. Still you stood there. And out of your heart was flowing the words, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. And you... You said that and you were there even when you didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You you didn't know how, but it it was just in you. Thank God. It was just in you to trust him. That's one of the signs, one of the indicators that you belong to him. That the child is trusting the father. You know, some, some of this teaching that, well, you, you have to just, you, you, you can't insult God by coming with some of these, one of the general statements, Lord, I trust you, or your will be done. You need to, you need to name what it is you want the outcome to be. And you state that before the Lord, to which I want to say, you be careful of adopting that philosophy of prayer. You be careful. You know why? Because He's infinite. And we're finite. If we start putting stipulations and they are restrictions on what God needs to do to solve a particular problem or to take care of a situation, we may be limiting the unlimitable God, if that's even possible to do by saying, God, I trust you for this, I trust you for this, I believe you for this. Well, great, if you have faith specifically to do that, But I'm going to tell you, it is not an insult to him to say, Lord, I'm not sure where this is going. And I'm not sure how long it's going to take. But I'm telling you this, Lord, as best I can. I trust you. I trust your goodness. I trust your faithfulness. I trust your wisdom. I trust your providence. I trust your power. I trust your supply. I trust you. I am your child, and I trust you, my Father. Folks, as we determine in our hearts to live that way, to invite him in on the smallest detail as well as the most massive challenge that we face, then we're learning far more peaceful way to live. Jesus would say, come to me in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and are heavy laden and I will give you what? Do you remember that? I will give you rest. And then he says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. What was the yoke of Jesus? What was he saying when he said, take my yoke upon you? forward to spending some time developing that in the days to come, Lord willing, but it could very well be. You take upon yourself the yoke that I have upon my life, and that yoke is trusting my Father. I trust my Father. I only do the things I see the Father doing. I only say the things that that I have heard the Father saying. I can do nothing without the Father's blessing. I trust him. And he says, in that place, there was a promised rest. Because I refuse to have all the responsibility for the outcome or the process on me I'm trusting you Lord and as I do that peace settles into my heart so if if you were to if you were to evaluate your daily life on the basis of peace how much peace am I walking in how much peace or do I have these things that frustrate me? It's Sunday, we've got Monday coming, you've got who knows what all's going to blow up on Monday or by Wednesday. But what if we really did hear him saying to us on this Sunday prior to tomorrow, Monday, trust me, trust me, trust me. Instead of trying to do everything on our own and, and work it together as best we can see fit, we, we, just, we just let him in the room. We just, Lord, I, here I am. Here it is. Here it is. There he is. There she is. There they are. I trust you. Show me what to do. I trust you. Would you try that this week? Some some of you are professionals at that. Some of you, that's the reason you live in peace in a crazy world. But for some of us, maybe that's not anything we've really thought was relevant or applicable or possible. Oh, yes, it is. For you, right in the middle of what you're living in and living with and facing, Jesus would say, Trust me. The things that have broken your heart, the things that have saddened you, the things that have confused you, the things that you wish to goodness that you didn't have to keep living in, the results of those bad choices that you made. He says, trust me. I can make a way where there is no way. Trust me. Lord, would you by your Spirit please help us with this? Would you please help us with this? We know that unless you give us the ability to believe you and to trust you, we won't. But you have said faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. And so, Lord, we're asking that you will help us to hear this today. For your promise is that in the hearing of it, faith will rise. The ability to believe that it's true will rise if you speak it to our spirits. Please grant that, Lord. In Jesus' name.